Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. What's better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. It's Joe Marino, Kyle Krabs, and Chris Schubert from the Draft Network. And we are your hosts here on this Thursday episode of the show. And we are brought to you by Bet Online, who would like to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all the sports wagering action for 2022. There's a new year, obviously. They have a new website that you can check out and sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE to get started from football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC. Right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, and Bet Online is where the game starts. Kyle, happy Thursday to you. Happy Thursday to you as well. We are closing in on the playoffs. 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 You want to talk about playoffs? I just hope we can win another game. And here we are with a bunch of teams this weekend hoping they can win another game. Uh, But that means we're going to have to put uh, the finishing touches on our 2021 season awards, which is where we're going to start today's podcast. Christopher? I listen, I don't want to argue with my friend Joe today. Twitter was not happy with us yesterday arguing, so I don't want to argue with my friend today. Uh, MVP and Comeback Player of the Year are the two awards that were released today. Which one would you like to start with? Comeback. All right, so Comeback Player of the Year. Um, I will read the results, and then we can discuss our individual ballots. Um, This is kind of where we're going to buck the trend, I think, with the the rest of the NFL media community. We have Joe Burrow as TDN's Comeback Player of the Year. Got 10 of the 13 first-place votes. Uh, Dak Prescott in second place. Nick Bosa in third. Derwin James in fourth. Carson Wentz and James Conner tied for fifth. C.J. Mosley sixth. George Kittle seventh. And then all five of these players received at least one fifth-place vote. Chandler Jones, Rashawn Gary, Odell Beckham Jr., Joe Mixon, and Jameis Winston. I had a Joe Burrow one, Dak Prescott two, Nick Bosa three, Derwin James four, and Rashawn Gary was my number five. Uh, my ballot was Dak Prescott, quarterback, Dallas Cowboys, the rightful comeback player of the year in 2021. Uh, number two was Nick Bosa, defensive end, San Francisco 49ers. Number three was Joe Burrow, quarterback, Cincinnati Bengals. Number four was George Kittle, tight end, San Francisco 49ers. And five for me was Chandler Jones, pass rusher, Arizona Cardinals. Uh, for me, it was uh, Joe Burrow one, Dak Prescott two, Nick Bosa three, Carson Wentz four, uh, and then Derwin James five. Kyle, you used the word rightful. Um, yes. What uh, what put Dak as the rightful, no doubt about it, choice for you? Uh, so, I mean, for me, it was the magnitude of the injury was what stood out. And I'm not minimizing anybody else's injury, but Dak Prescott having his foot on backwards uh, was a very strong image. And the comeback from that, the adversity that he faced in the in training camp with the shoulder injury that he dealt with another injury too, 
just kind of the snowball, the magnitude of that first injury, the, the strong impression that left in my brain, and then him also dealing with a shoulder injury in training camp for even more adversity um, was kind of just a, an all-around resume for me that um, made it really hard for me to not put him at number one. The reason I chose um, Joe Burrow over Dak, Dak Prescott is obviously Joe Burrow had a, a season-ending knee injury mm -hmm. um, and came back for it and obviously had a sensational season this year. When I consider Joe Burrow, I also – I guess I give him extra credit for not only coming back but improving as a football player. And so um, I think those two things working together, elevating his game – with high expectations as a number one overall pick in a, a difficult circumstance, um, you know, scenario, we, we criticize Cincinnati very heavily for the offensive line that they've given him. So he was able to come in, get through those circumstances, get injured, come back, didn't really improve the offensive line, elevated his play in year two. And so I guess I just kind of work all that together Um and feel very impressed with uh, what Joe Burrow was able to do in a, on a number of levels this year. Yeah, and for for me, obviously, I was in the Joe Burrow camp as well because I think when you look at a first overall pick that only gets to play in 10 games in his rookie season and have a major knee injury to come back and put together the season that he had for a team that's playing in the playoffs – um, as a second-year player who didn't get to finish out his rookie season on his terms, didn't get to have that full game lock to look at in the offseason and had to instead rehab and get himself right and get himself ready to be able to go for year two, I thought that was extremely impressive. Uh, and that was what ultimately led me to vote for Joe Burrow. But Kai, I think you're going to end up being more in line with what the national media Consensus does. Consensus like, is... I, I, think, yeah. I think Dak will win the award, um, but for me, it, it has been Burrow the entire entirety of the season. Well, and I, I want to be fair to Joe, too. Joe was very, 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 very high on my vote for another award um, that was given out. And maybe that's a flawed, inherent bias application. But if I gave Joe Burrow love elsewhere, um, thought maybe it was appropriate to give somebody else love for this one instead of just saying, oh, well, he's the best player who had adversity, so I'm going to put him at one. And I think one of the things that I've loved about Jamie Eisner, who's really kind of orchestrated this balloting for our group, is he really didn't give us criteria. It was, give us your top five, and it was this mingling of, I guess, 13 different people collaborating with however they saw it, and through that, you got our consensus uh, choice for number one, and then obviously the entire stack. So I, I like how everyone's individual processes has bleeded or bled into this overall mm -hmm. um, uh, project. Um, man, everybody has Nick Bosa towards the top. I mean, the guy just comes in and it doesn't feel like he's missed a beat, you know, and that, that was incredible to see Derwin James. Um, I think we've all Finally been anxious healthy. to see him, yeah, him healthy and, and yeah. in that Brandon Staley system. So I think everyone's got those two guys in their top, um, top five, but I think we all kind of also went and had a unique choice uh, for Kyle. Yours was Chandler Jones. I had Rashawn yep. Gary. And who was your guy, Chris? Mine was Carson Wentz. Um, and I know that's going to be unpopular, but I, I gave Carson Wentz a fourth place vote. Let's talk about our, um, you know, I think we all kind of put a my guy in there. So why don't you tell us about why you chose Carson Wentz? Yeah, look, I, I think 
Again, the season didn't necessarily end the way that they wanted it to, and he was a large reason for that, making some interesting decisions against Jacksonville. But that entire team didn't show up for that game. Uh, ultimately, this was a guy that was left you know, dead on arrival in Philly, not fixable, couldn't even get close to recapturing the magic that he had when he was there in Philly. And let's be fair to Carson Wentz. He, the mistakes were still there, but he still was a, a large part for, of why that team was able to be competitive, at least in the early stages when they weren't using Jonathan Taylor the way that they were supposed to, right? He was still asked to do a lot in that offense, and he did what was asked of him. So I think to come back from the narrative of him being dead, him being unfixable, him not being able to to even sniff some of the success that he had, he was able to sniff that success, and so he uh, got a fourth-place vote for me. I went with um, Rashawn Gary as my number five, the – edge player for the, the Green Bay Packers. And um, I guess this was kind of my own twist on this a little bit because I think obviously we gravitate towards the players that got injured and um, their season was cut short and had to come back from that. Where a part of this award and the consideration that it's supposed to have is for players that elevated their performance. And Rashawn Gary really did that. And this was year three for him and I remember when that pick was made. I think a lot of us were a little bit curious as to the thought process and how he was going to fit into that defense. And it maybe took a couple of years, but he had a sensational season. I think he was one of the better edge players in the league this year. Um, Very consistent on a weekly basis. A lot of pressure, a lot of good run defense. And then obviously they needed him to step up with, you know, not just Zadarius Smith being injured this year, but a lot of key players in that defense. And so as a, a my guy, if you will, type vote. I wanted to include somebody who I thought really took a major step forward in their career, and I think Rashawn Gary did that as well as anyone this year. And for me, it was was Chandler Jones, and he played five games in 2020 and then played 15, so he still missed two games. Um, but he logged 10 and a half sacks, went up over 100 sacks in his career um, this season. He logged the second highest total of quarterback hits in his entire career this season in 15 games. Wow. Uh, he forced five fumbles this season, which is the second highest total of his career in an individual single season. And uh, was a part of an Arizona Cardinals team that you know, had to absorb the loss of JJ Watt partway through the season. And obviously we'll see him back on the field this weekend, but um, a, a team that surprised uh, with uh, surprised a lot of people, maybe not everybody, but surprised a lot of people with the record that they put on display this year. And um, Chandler's as dangerous as ever as a pass rusher, and he's going to be 32 this season. And you know, coming back from an injury at 31 years old, and I, I just think there were a lot of individual variables that you piece the whole thing together. It's like, hey, I, I at least got to try and get this guy on my list. Chandler Jones is going to be continued to be overlooked all the way to the Hall of Fame, isn't he? I mean, correct. <laughs> This guy's had the the best start ever in the history of the NFL in terms of sack production. And, um, you know, it's, it feels like every year everyone has to be reminded of uh, just how good of a player he is. He had he had 87. Is that right? Draft to do math. No, he had 94. He had 94 sacks. 90, 95, 96 sacks, somewhere like that. He had 90 sacks in his first eight seasons in the NFL. Yeah. And that was with six twice in his first three years. He was ahead of Bruce Smith's pace. Now, where Bruce really pulled apart was like 
yeah, he just kept on getting sacks until yeah. he was 40 years old. You know, so we'll see if, if Chandler can continue that. But I think one thing that we kind of forget about edge rushers is they, they tend to age a little bit better than we think they're going to. You know, there's an art to rushing the passer. And and if there's a guy that I think can continue putting up big numbers, it's a guy like Chandler Jones, who is so technically refined. And, oh, by the way, he played 85% of the defensive snaps this year. That's a ton, bro. Yes. That's the most impressive thing I've heard you say yet. 85%? Yeah, 800, 80, 824 defensive snaps total. And he missed two games. The season. And he missed two games. So he so pretty what? much was on the field the entire time. <laughs> what? <laughs> Yeah. In a world where everybody rotates their defensive lineman, Jailer Jones no, is not getting not a breather. Jones. No, yeah. that's incredible. Well, the problem is they drafted somebody in the first round of last year's draft to potentially help them with the pass rush, and that person hasn't been able to do a whole lot. Oh. So Chris over the top, the, the wet blanket on the Cardinals, saying all these kind things, leave it to Chris Schubert to say, yeah, well, <laughs> if their draft picks were better, they wouldn't have had to do that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do we want to move to MVP, gentlemen? Yeah. Yes. Uh, the MVP for TDN got in, getting five first place votes. So the way, the way this split was uh, five first place votes for Aaron Rodgers for in first place, uh, five first place votes for Tom Brady, who finished in second, and then three votes uh, split across three different people. So one first place vote for Joe Burrow, who finished in third, Cooper Cup, who finished in fourth, and Jonathan Taylor, who finished in fifth, uh, Justin Herbert, six, Josh Allen, seven, Matt Stafford and TJ Watt tied for eight, and Patrick Mahomes got one fifth place vote for ninth. Uh, my ballot, and I, I feel the need to say this right off the bat, I don't believe in voting for non-quarterbacks as MVP because I take it very literal. It's outrageous. And, well, they're it's the outrageous. most valuable players. Every our, every team, it's it's um their most valuable players are quarterbacks. So I can't I can't give consideration to other positions. I had it one Tom Brady, two Aaron Rodgers, flip a coin. I'm not gonna fight about that. Three Justin Herbert, four Joe Burrow, five Josh Allen. I had it Aaron Rodgers, one, Joe Burrow, two, Cooper Cup, three, Jonathan Taylor, four, Tom Brady, five. Uh, I had Jonathan Taylor, one, Tom Brady, two, Aaron Rodgers, three, Justin Herbert, four, and Matt Stafford, five. Wow. We all saw this pretty different, huh? Remember remember when we all thought it was free money with Matt Stafford as the MVP vote halfway yeah, through the season? Pro- probably going to lose that 20 bucks. Yeah, yeah I think that, so. That's gone. <laughs> to be good fair stat, though the good process stat. was good epa leader at the halfway point of the last seven seasons is one mvp matt stafford's leading epa halfway through the year we said bingo no <laughs> he did not get it that was, that was part of the reason why he was fifth through me i didn't want to totally concede defeat yeah. it's probably <laughs> right, a yeah. bad vote by me moral, moral victory probably should have been joe burrow or somebody else but uh, the biggest thing that stands out to me is Kyle Bra- or Kyle Brady. Good Lord. Uh, Freudian slip of the famous uh, Jets first-round pick, Kyle Brady. Um, Kyle had Tom Brady at five. Um, so go ahead, man. Well, I know that I you applied, have him high. He's one of the five most valuable players right. in the league, so we'll give if you I that. Applied him, if I applied him through your filter, um, he would be number three. But I did put a wide receiver – and a running back in front of him. And part of it was wanting a little bit of variety and representation. And I said, okay, Cooper cut led the NFL in literally every significant receiving statistic this year, like receptions, yards, touchdown, like all of it. Jonathan Taylor. What do we think the Colts offense looks like without Jonathan Taylor? Well, we asked ourselves that about the Tennessee Titans and what it looks like without Derrick Henry. It's the same. 
you got to let it go, man. You got to let it go. Because if you think Naeem Hines is looking exactly the same, because Because they don't don't have a second version of that player. Marlon Mack, baby. (laughs) Okay. okay. By all means. You know, I'm not Um, a big Marlon Mack guy, but go ahead. So, yeah, this was a Tampa team that was absolutely loaded. Um, they endured their fair share of injuries and Tom elevated the play of, of the pass catchers that he had available to him. I don't think there's any question of that, uh, but I just look at measuring versus expectations. And, uh, I thought there were a couple of guys who, who really Joe Burrow helping Cincinnati make the jump that they have made from perennial seller dweller to a division champion was hard for me to ignore for quarterback. And then I did want to give a little representation to, the far and away best players at other position before I snuck that third quarterback on there. I, and what am I supposed to say? I can't argue with Joe. He, we have a philosophical, dis- okay, very fundamental philosophical disagreement on the way this award gets voted on. I'm not even going to try to defend Jonathan Taylor. One. We should do it. Tw- we should do a Twitter poll. Like Joe's just never going to see it my way. So why even yes. bother? I think he's in the minority though. Yeah, it's fine. I mean, it's my process. I just, I think we all know that the most important player on the field is quarterbacks. The most like, important player to the Indianapolis Colts was not their quarterback. Okay, well, the Indianapolis Colts are a non-playoff team. And and Jonathan Taylor is the only reason why they could even potentially sniff the ability to be in the playoffs. That's a hell of a statement. I mean, like, say that back and and like really tell me you believe that in your heart. I mean, look I voted at his number in the one first month the of the season and the record that they had in the first month of the season versus when they actually started using him. And what it looked like when they featured him. I don't think it's that outrageous of a statement. They were Again, I go to Carson once as my uh, for four on comeback player of the year. He was a part of what they were able to do. But the first month of the season, I was yelling at my TV screen, hey, use Jonathan Taylor more because it was actively hurting the football team that they weren't using him. And the moment they started using him, they started to become this. And let's not forget, three weeks ago, it was, gosh, I don't want to play the Colts in the playoffs because I don't want to have to try to stop Jonathan Taylor. It wasn't, I don't want to have to stop Carson Wentz. It's, I don't want to have to try to stop Jonathan Taylor. That was the way we were talking about the Indianapolis Colts. Couldn't beat the Raiders and Jaguars to get a playoff spot. Did you did you listen to anything I just said? I did, but you sat there and told me about how important he was if he was part of the team earlier in the season that they wouldn't have been in that spot. And then they had him. They were fully aware of his skill set, and they went 0-2 against the Raiders and Jaguars, the Raiders at home, and didn't get to the postseason with their newfound knowledge of the importance of Jonathan Taylor. I do hold that against them. Everybody's just got to be perfect to you, Joe. Like they just, they can't, they can't, it's got to be absolute perfection or they don't get even a consideration from you. It's unbelievable. Well, he's all, okay. So by my process, he's automatically disqualified because he doesn't right. play quarterback. And, and couldn't touch the ball in the Jacksonville game because Carson Wentz threw them out of the football game and they couldn't run the ball in the second half. So I don't know well, how much of and that, that was good. That was going to be my question, but I feel like that's just going to feed into Joe's points and he can say, how valuable are you if the scoreboard's going to take you out of the game? I Okay, can we? I think there's two conversations to be had here. Jonathan Taylor's importance to the Indianapolis Colts is significant. They've set themselves up to be that type of team where that's going to be an important part of what they do. I think that quarterback play across the NFL is so much more important than running back play. Therefore, I don't have any choice but to 
when you ask me who my most valuable players are, it are it is the player at the position who provides the most value. And for teams that are quarterback-centric, they are the ones that are able to really go deep. So you don't so, – but- so wait a minute. So hold on, hold on. Because you didn't you said most that the player that adds the most value to their team, right? So in your own definition, you're not including this the success of the team. Jonathan Taylor is the MVP of the Indianapolis Colts. And he's the he's most valuable to what they do as a team. So by your definition, he would then qualify to be the MVP. But what he does in terms of bringing value to his team in the NFL at large is not so Joe, Joe, but that's applying your individual criteria. That's like right. looking at an individual draft quality or trait for a prospect and saying, this is the most important one. If they don't have this, they can't, they're not going to be a successful player when there's other ways to build a team. And the Colts have chosen to build for whatever yeah. reason, and we can disagree with it, but they've chosen to build their team that way. I, I Before we really got into this conversation, um, even I think maybe even before comeback player, I talked about how much I enjoyed the individual processes that went into this and nobody seemed to have an issue with it until I applied it to this. And now it's like, Oh, you didn't pick Cooper cup and Jonathan Taylor. And I, they don't play quarterback. I'm sorry. Quarterbacks are the most valuable things in the NFL. They get then paid the most the, money. Then change the award. Then change the name of the award because to the, the most valuable game. quarterback. Yes. Well, guess what Jamie didn't do? He said no offensive player of the year, so that way you couldn't do this. Okay, I said bet. Here it is. I'm doing all quarterbacks. And, and, if you get the did. offensive player of the year, guess who one and two on my list are? Jonathan Taylor and Cooper Cup. We didn't get that opportunity. So would you ever so vote how, for how, a – No, Chris. Let me interject. Would you ever vote for a non-quarterback to win the Heisman? Yes. College then, football then is different. That's entirely that's dumb Bennett just won the national championship. Bryce Young, eh, you know, like you had it's, you it, had it's me a different in your corner, game. and I was willing to see what you were saying until you said you would vote for oh, a non-quarterback to win the Heisman. So, so, so there are years where the best player in college football, because it's also not the most valuable player award. It's the best player in college football. So most here's the outstanding. Prop- okay, so that's here's the, the problem I have. Here's the problem I have. If you're gonna vote non if you're going to vote for only quarterbacks for MVP right mm-hmm. all of the players that you put in your ballot were offensive players yep right how is that person then not also the offensive player of the year i mean the, that's the Jamie's process that's yeah. not Joe's problem yeah i have most valuable no. player and offensive player but it, different things from but me. it is it is because Joe just said that if he did have a ballot for offensive player of the year he wouldn't have put the person that he voted for MVP number one on the offensive player of the year list, even though he's an offensive player. Yeah, because I become I'm I'm more impressed by the individual accomplishments of Cooper Cup and Jonathan Taylor than I am Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers who he went so out then, and had their normal season. So then how are they the most valuable if they just went out and had a normal because season? what they do in terms of playing quarterback is more valuable than what those other players do at receiver and running back. I like I feel like point. my process is pretty decent. You may take exception with it, but I think it's pretty like defendable. It's what I said at the beginning, Joe. We have a fundamental disagreement of the way to look at the award, so we're just yeah. never going to agree here. Jamie should have given me the opportunity to have Opoy. No, and that's the reason why he didn't do that. Well, and it backfired. It, it is because it was supposed to get more representation for players in MVP who don't normally do it. You chose to not do that. You're yeah, I took a big t- I meant went the other extreme. I said, okay, well, here you go. No, yeah. n- None of those guys get consideration for me. And I just, we disagree fundamentally on the approach there.
Imagine Chris thinking that we wouldn't have anything to argue about. We were cordial. Should we get the Levy Grail today? Yeah, let's I don't get know. started. The Chargers, Colts. The Colts. Let's talk about the Colts. <laughs> they got shot at the no, Taylor. They're fine. We're we're going to have to back burner the Levy Grail because it's time for us to go for today. And I sincerely hope everybody enjoyed themselves and another episode of us bickering back and forth. And let us know who you agree with. I'd be really interested in who the people side with on the fundamental discrepancy that we have uncovered here on today's show with the MVP voting, with the draft network and our balloting. So Kyle Krabs, Joe Marino, Chris Schubert, thanks for listening. Make it a great one. And we'll talk with you guys again tomorrow. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.